everyone, I'm Trisha. And I'm Andrea. We are so excited to welcome you here to Christ Community Church for the weekend, whether you're joining us online or in person, we're super excited to have you here. Now, one of the things that we really value here at Christ Community is prayer. And so we want to be praying with you throughout the week, not just here on Sundays. And so we would love to hear uh, your prayers or your praises. So if you're watching online, you can click uh, request prayer. Um, or if you're in person with us, there's a QR code on the seat back in front of you that you can scan and click prayer requests. Or as always, if you're in person, you can stop by our welcome desk and someone there can take down that prayer request for you. Yeah, and Andrea, we are already preparing for Awana this fall. Yes. We're really excited about it. For those of you who may not know, it is an awesome night mm -hmm. for our kids to be able to come together and learn more about God's Word. Um, it's a great discipleship program for your kids. They gain a greater understanding of the Bible, and so we really hope that your kids will get to join us. Mm -hmm. Registration is already yes. online and available, so whether you want to jump on there to register for our early bird um, registration, mm -hmm. or if you just need more details, mm -hmm. we would love to have you jump on our website and take a look. And speaking of our website, it actually got a brand new refresh. Um, and so we'd love for you to just go over there and take a look around. Yeah, um, a lot of really cool stuff there. So be sure uh, to take a look at that. And another way that you can just stay connected with what's happening here at Christ Community is by staying connected with us on social media. So you can follow um, us at, at CCC Rochester um, for the whole church, all the happenings that are going on. Uh, if you are a student or if you are a parent of students, we also have um, our student ministry social media, which is at Impact Roch um, on Instagram and Facebook. And if you have kids, we have our Kid City Facebook group that you can find through the Christ Community social media. And so there's just a lot happening yeah, and so sure. a lot of exciting stuff. So to stay uh, up to date on everything that's going on, that's a great way um, for you to stay connected. Absolutely. I love being in the know, Andrew. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, now, thanks so much for joining us. Mm -hmm. uh, whether you're in person or online, we're glad you're with us. Mm -hmm. Let's begin to turn our hearts toward worship. We are so glad to see you here today. Why don't you stand as we worship together?
So as I was doing my quiet time earlier this week, I kind of had uh, a revelation. And what dawned on me was the fact that I was doing to God in that moment what I can't stand when my kids do to me. Yes. So what they do is, when I'm giving them an instruction, some correction, before I put a period on that sentence, they quickly go, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. And it drives me crazy. And I think I was doing that to the Lord in that moment, was I was reading the scripture going, I I know, I I got this. And there's a couple of reasons that it drives me crazy that I think probably was driving him crazy in that moment as well. And the first one was, when I'm telling you some kind of information or correction, it's not that I don't know that you know, it's that you're not acting like you know. So if you could change that, then we don't even have to have this discussion. Yes, parents everywhere unite. But, but the second thing was, just plain and simple, I can't stand being interrupted when I'm talking to my kids. And that's the one that kind of hit me was, I'm, I'm interrupting what you're trying to say to me and how you want me to move in this moment. And so, we have a really unique opportunity in this moment, whether you're here in this place or whether you're in your home online, to be uninterrupted with your creator. So as we continue on in our worship, I want you to just to rid yourself of all those things that would cause you to look away or to not hear that sweet, still voice that's guiding you leading you and sometimes telling you things you, are, you already know or you think you know, but that means then you have to do it or act like you know it. So let's lift our voices in worship with an open heart and ears that hear that voice. What creation suddenly articulate with a thousand Tons to lift one cry. Then from north to south and east to west, we'd hear Christ be
bow before you and worship your great name and to love you so deeply knowing full well that you love us back even more so God we offer this time uninterrupted to you where our focus will be completely on your word what you have in store for us and we look forward to that with joy and anticipation knowing when we pray and when we speak and when we worship to you you speak back God what a beautiful cycle of conversation we thank you for that in your precious name we pray amen you can go ahead and take a seat hey Christ community how are you you good? All right. Good to see you guys. Thanks for being here. Uh, my name is Daryl Holden. If I haven't met you yet, I'm one of the pastors and uh, really am thankful that you are worshiping with us today. Whether you're here in person, whether you're online, we're really glad that... Oh, they're feeling happy with themselves today, I guess. Um, it's almost an inside joke. We have a new table. So the old one is like one of the coffee area tables that weighs about 80 pounds. This one, evidently Becky can lift, so she wanted to show you that. Um, I'm really glad that you're here with us in worship today. So thanks for being with us. It's, it's a great weekend. I'm really excited about this series that we're in. And uh, for those of you who are new, if this is your first, second, third time with us, and we don't know you're here, whether you're here in person, whether you're here online, we would love to know that. So those of you guys who are here in person, there's two ways that you can let us know. There's a QR code in front of you somewhere. If you just shoot that with your phone, it takes you to a connect card and you can give us your information or you can stop by the welcome desk out in the foyer there and we'd love to, like if you go there, we'll give you a coffee mug and some chocolate and we will trade you your contact information for some good chocolate 
and it's like, we're not gonna harass you too much, so it'd be a really good trade. If you're online, if you'll just hit the uh, connect button and let the host know that you're here, we would love to be able to connect you to other people in our church. That's really the intent of all that thing. The best thing about this church is the people, and so um, we, wanna, we wanna help you connect to other people here so you can get the full experience as you get to know us a little bit and let us get to know you. So we're in this series um, that we've called Characters. For those of you who are new, this is week three, and we're looking at the life of a guy named Gideon. And so he shows up in this book of the Bible called Judges, and he's in three chapters. He's in Judges chapter six, Judges chapter seven, Judges chapter eight. Um, I, I love this study. I've been telling you guys this every week. I really enjoy uh, these characters because they're people. You know, when you, just, when you scrape away the culture, the time, the distance, we see, we see humanity in them, and I identify and resonate with these characters, and they, they teach us some things about our relationship with God and how about he relates himself to us, and so we get to learn some things about God and about who he is and what he's calling us forward, and so I, this, has been, this has been great for me, so I hope you have really enjoyed it too. So just to catch you up or to remind you, so in Judges chapter six, we, kind of, we started with this picture of um, of. It's called Clairvoyance, and it's by a guy named, we ought to have a quiz on who painted this and what it's called. We've been, for those of you who've been here, it's by Rene Magritte, Clairvoyance. He's a Belgian surrealist. And uh, notice what he's looking at and notice what he's painting. It, this, is, this is the story of Gideon. It is, it is a guy who thinks he's an egg, who feels like he's an egg, who from all outward perception, you and I would look at his life and say, yep, he's an egg, but God is looking at him and sees something in him and says this guy is a bird and not just a bird, but he's a bird in full flight. And, and that's what we saw in Judges chapter six. We've talked about that, that the Lord sees more in us than you and I see in ourselves. So if you could just kind of remember that, but we talked about he sees more in us than we see in ourselves. And, and the reason he sees that in us is because he put it there. It's not like you have more in you that somehow you have more in you, but God has given, he's made you for more He's, he's given you things to do, and you may feel spiritually like you are an egg in your relationship with God like you're an egg, but what he has created you for is so much more, and he sees that in you, even if you can't see it. And so we spent a week talking about that. Last week, we looked at Judges chapter seven, and we talked about how God is the one who is able. What you and I bring to the table always, we bring availability to the table, but other than that, God is the one who's able. He's gonna do what he's gonna do, and he'll do it through us. He's not looking for somebody to do something, he's looking for somebody to do something through. And so God is able, and what we get to be available, like this incredible privilege that he gives to us that we get to be available to him as he does his thing in and through our lives. So this week, this third chapter of Gideon's life, I love the first two chapters. You know, they, they, they hopefully, like they inspire me, I hope they inspire you to, to living like faith-filled, full of faith kind of living. This third chapter of this week, I'm really thankful it's there, but this one's hard. This one's hard. This chapter's hard. It's hard for a couple reasons for me. It's hard because there's some violence in it that is culturally like we don't have a category for this. It, it, it fit the culture his day, but you and I, we don't have a culture. So there's, there's some hard part of that. But really, the, the real reason that this one's hard is because this chapter is about spiritual failure. And I just wanted to point it out and say it real clearly that this chapter is about spiritual failure because on the surface, on the surface it looks like Gideon, looks like he's successful. 
because he, you know, he wins at work and he has this position of leadership and he has influence and he is wealthy. And so, you know, by all appearances, it looks like he has achieved success, but the truth of the matter is this, this is about failure. <laughs> so woo, we're, gonna, we're gonna read about a guy's spiritual failure, but I, I really see this, I see this chapter being helpful for us uh, in a few different ways. Really the first way is I think it, it helps us recognize that being, being successful in culturally appropriate ways is not the same as spiritual success. So, so it helps us realize that. It's, it's a cautionary tale um, for people who, who are more like faith-filled than they are faithful. And, and I think it's gonna help us those of us, it helps us live those two things together. There's some, there's some areas of our lives that are common to us that, that hinder us from living faith-filled and faithful. So what I really want you to walk away from this week is just this little phrase of full of faith and faithful. Because those are, those are two sides of the same coin. That on the one hand, it full of faith. Like, saying big yeses to the Lord about some really important things and moving forward. I mean, that's, that's the first two chapters of Gideon's life are great big yeses to the Lord running forward. But being full of faith is not the same as being faithful, which is saying those yeses over the course of time. Gideon is a guy who spent, he spent a season being full of faith but he wasn't faithful over the long haul and because he wasn't faithful, that, that had just devastating consequences for him and the people that he had influence over. So we're gonna be in Judges chapter eight today and I just wanna remind you, so here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna, I'm gonna read through chunks of this chapter, make some comments along the way and then I've got three lessons for us, just some things that we can think about and process based on what we're reading here. So if you remember, when we left Gideon last week, the end of Judges chapter seven, he is mighty warrior. He is, he is living into what the Lord spoke over and about him. He is, he is mighty warrior. He is, he is leading a conquering army. He's calling in reinforcements. He's directing and, and he's winning. He's winning. So we move into chapter eight. So the Ephraimites, now the Ephraimites, these were people that he called in. I remember the Midianites are on the run and he calls the Ephraimites in and says, Yo, like, cut them off, y'all. They're, they're headed that way, get in front of them. And they did, so now the Ephraimites asked Gideon, why have you treated us like this? Why didn't you call us when you went to fight Midian? And they challenged him vigorously. He answered them, what have I accomplished compared to you? Aren't the gleanings of Ephraim's grapes better than the full grape harvest of Abiezer? Oh, whatever that means. God gave Oreb and Zeb, the Midianite leaders, into your hands. What was I able to do compared to you? And at this, their resentment against him subsided. So what's happening here is now you've got some fighting amongst the leadership of an army over who's getting the glory. So they're, they're having this, hey, 
You called us too late because you were trying to keep the glory for yourself. We wanted glory. Oh, no, you did great things. You, you get some glory in this thing, too. Who, are, who am I compared to you? And so you've got these arguments over who gets glory. And then verse four, Gideon and his 300 men, exhausted, yet keeping up the pursuit, came to the Jordan and crossed it. And he said to the men of Succoth, so this is another place in Israel, people who are part of his nation, he says, give my troops some bread. They're worn out, and I'm pursuing Zeba and Zalmunna, the kings of Midian. So he's, cha- like the Midianite army is on, in flight. And so he's still chasing them. He and the 300 guys that God used to rescue them from Midian, he's chasing them. Give us some food, we're tired. But the officials of Succoth said, do you already have the hands of Zeba and Zalmunna in your possession? Why should we give bread to your troops? It's a great question. Because remember, for seven years, the people of the nation of Israel had been under the thumb of the Midianites. They had, they had taken their harvest, they had prevented, like, I mean, they, just, they, had, they had held them down to the point where the people of the nation of Israel are living in the rocks and the caves out of fear of the Midianites. And now, just like in a couple of days, it looks like Midian's on the run, but man, they have not been conquered yet. And so Gideon is, looking at, Gideon is looking at people who have been living under the thumb of Midian for seven years, like he had, looking at them and saying, come on, like feed me, I've gotta go. And they're saying, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> these, these, guys have been, these guys have been on us for seven years. If we help you, they're coming back, and when they come back, we're gonna pay for this. So Gideon replied, just for that. And anytime you start a sentence with just for that, like you're, Just for that, when the Lord has given Zeba and Zalmanah into my hand, I will tear your flesh with desert thorns and briars. And from there, he went up to Peniel and made the same request of them, but they answered as the men of Succoth had. And so he said to the men of Peniel, when I return in triumph, I will tear down this this tower. So then verse 10 through 12 there talk about how he chased them down and what he ended up doing there was he, he, he stayed after him, he chased them, he actually conquered them. So he has, he has secured victory. The leaders of this Midianite army have now been, they have now been defeated and he's living out this mighty warrior. So verse 13, Gideon, son of Joash, he then returned from the battle by the pass of Herez. He caught a young man of Succoth. So this place that he threatened. He caught a young man of Succoth and he questioned him and the young man wrote down for him the names of the 77 officials of Succoth, the elders of the town. So this guy said, hey, here are the leaders. These are the people that you, there's the names of the people that you warned him. And then Gideon came and he said to the men of Succoth, here are Zeba and Zalmanah about, how, about whom you taunted me by saying, do you already have their hands in your possession? Why should we give bread to your exhausted men? And so he took the exhausted, he took the men of Succoth, he taught the men of Succoth a lesson by punishing them with desert thorns and briars, and he also pulled down the tower of Peniel and killed the men of the town. So, so he made good on his threats. He, he did to them, like he caught the guys, the leaders of the enemy army, and then he came back to these people who were, they were part of his, they were people, his nation, they were fellow kinsmen and he came back to them and because of what they had done, because of what they had refused him and because of the question that they had asked him, or like 
you don't have them yet, man. What happens if we feed you? Because of that, he, he punished them for that. Then headed on down, so he, he conquers and, and then he has some interaction with these two Midianite leaders and, and it becomes obvious that Gideon has now, like he's conquered. He's, he's the conquering general. So verse 22, the Israelites said to Gideon, rule over us, you, your son, and your grandsons, because you've saved us from the hand of Midian. Man, we need you to be king. We want you to be king, and not only do we want you to be king, we want you to establish a dynasty. We want it to be you, we want it to be your son, we want it to be your grandson, we want, we want people, we want, we want the children of Gideon ruling over us. You deserve that because you have been made king, because you have been victorious, you've rescued us. So Gideon told them, this is his response, I will not rule over you, nor will my son rule over you. The Lord will rule over you. Right on. I mean, that's, that's the way it's set up. That's the way it's supposed to be. And then he said, I do have one request, that each of you give me an earring from your share of the plunder. This was the custom of the Ishmaelites, who were one of the tribes of the nation of Israel. And he's talking to some of these guys. It was their custom to wear gold earrings. And so they answered, man, we will be glad to give them to you. So they threw out a garment, they spread out a garment, each of them threw a ring from his plunder onto it and talks about how much it all was and all that kind of stuff. And then what Gideon had done, he actually executed the, these kings of Midian that he had captured and after he executed them, he had taken the ornaments off their camels' necks. Basically, he was carrying around stuff that says, I killed these dudes. And so he took that stuff that his plunder from the army and Gideon made the gold into an ephod, which was like a, a breastplate kind of thing, that, but it was priestly. It was what the priests of the nation wore. And, and so Gideon made one of these out of gold, and he placed it in Ophrah, which is the name of his town, and all Israel prostituted themselves by worshiping, by worshiping it there, and it became a snare to Gideon and his family. And so he, he takes this plunder that he has, like he's received. We, hey, Gideon, we wanna make you king. No, I don't wanna be king. Uh, the Lord's gonna rule over you, but I'll take some of your stuff. Like, you can pay me, because I led you. And so, and then he takes that payment and he makes an idol of, of that payment. And it was a stumbling block to him and to his family, to the nation there. And then reading down a little farther, this is how the account of Gideon's life wraps up. So Midian was subdued before the Israelites and did not raise its head again. During Gideon's lifetime, the land had peace for 40 years. So God used Gideon to rescue his people and to give them peace. Jerubbabel, which is Gideon's name, one who fights against Baal, the son of Joash, went back home to live. He had 70 sons of his own, for he had many wives. His concubine, who lived in Shechem, also bore him a son, whom he named Abimelech. Gideon, son of Joash, died at a good old age and was buried in the tomb of his father Joash in Ophrah of the Abiezrites. And so it kind of sounds like, man, this all wraps up all right. It sounds like he, he you know, he might have messed up a little bit or whatever and he had some, he had some issues there, but he, he went back home, he was successful, he led the people, they had peace, he was wealthy and he died at a good old age. And again, if we kind of forget all the stuff that came before, so it, it sounds like he won, you know what I mean? It sounds like his life turned out okay, but, but it's, it's spiritual failure. It's culturally successful and spiritual failure because he, he had this, 
he had this season where he was full of faith and he was stringing together some yeses to the Lord and his faith was growing really fast. And then the mission trip ended, if we could say it that way. The mission trip ended and, and he just kinda, he went back to doing life the way was appropriate in this culture. So he was this guy who was full of faith for a while, but he was not faithful. He spent most of his life if he if he would if we could interview him and he'd be real honest with us he spent most of his life saying yeah my best spiritual days are behind me the, that that couple of weeks there where where god used me to rescue the nation from midian where i was you know i was slowly I was slowly walking with the lord but i was walking with him that couple of weeks there man that was that was awesome i was growing i knew the lord i heard his voice and then I don't know what happened, but it just all fell off and I've spent however many years now, my best spiritual days are behind me. And I think that's where I, I, resonate, with, I resonate with Gideon, like the humanity of, of that. Um, how many of us would, would say, my best spiritual days are behind me? For those of us who are, you know, you're out of school and all that stuff and you know, maybe you had a season in high school where you were you're on mission trips, you're on a worship team, you're whatever in college, you're part of a college ministry, if you've grown up in this stuff, and there was just a, a fire and a fervency in you, spiritually speaking, and you, and you were alive, and you were growing, and you knew, and then, and then you got out, and life happened, and, and you just, in quiet moments, you think back, and it's like, man, those were, those were great days, but I don't, I don't have them now, and I don't see them in the future because and you fill in your because, and I just, it just resonates with me that, that Gideon is, he was full of faith, but he wasn't faithful over the long haul. And the tragedy of that is you, you can have both. You can, you can be both. Now, I think, I think most of us, we tend one side or the other. You know, if, if this is, if full of faith and faithful are two sides of the same coin, if you flip the coin, you know, if you're just flipping a regular coin, I looked this up this week because I knew I was gonna say it in front of some of you people who pay attention to statistics and stuff. 51 to 49, you know, like you flip a coin, it's either gonna be heads or tails, it, and it's almost 50-50. But if, if faithful and full of faith, like if we're flipping you, <laughs> you, you, you have a tendency so if, if you were to flip me, I'm gonna land on, like faithful is gonna be up more than full of faith. I'm prone to kind of a little more like steady and gonna, like I have some spiritual discipline in my life because I tend to discipline and so there's just some things about me in that full of faith piece where big yeses and here we go, like that, some of that is like, ooh, are we, we should slow down on that a little bit maybe and Lord, are you really in this? And maybe you're the same as me in that and maybe you're different from me. Some of us, you know, Give me the mission trip, give me the big assignment, give me 10 days where I have to be just all out for the Lord, but I know that when I get back from that, I'm gonna struggle, because the full of faith is, is me and the faithful not so much, and so we have to have both. Like that's, if, we're gonna, if we're gonna walk with the Lord and we're going to finish well, we have to have both, and we have to have both as individual people and we also have to have both as a church. So let me, let me give you three things that I think are from Gideon's life, three things that are really important for people who, who wanna be full of faith and also want to be faithful. So this first one is to walk with 
the Lord. Walk with him. So this is, if, if you are new to church, this is actually one of those things that church people say. So this is, um, we could call it Christianese. We talk about walking with the Lord. So if you've been around and you're hearing Christianese, like you're hearing a statement that you've heard over and over again, notice that like I've visually, with is bold and underlined, walk with the Lord. So when we first met Gideon, remember he's hiding in a wine press threshing grain and the Lord comes to him and he, like the Lord has to coach him out of that wine press. Give, he's asking for signs. He's, Lord, is this really you? Are you really in this? If, you're real, if this is really you and you're really gonna do this, would you please? And, and he's really slow and hesitant in, in getting started in his, in his journey and as we end chapter seven, he's, he's standing on the mountaintop and he's calling in more than 300 people. So, so the Lord promised, I'm gonna deliver Midian into, like to you and the 300 guys. This is gonna be a miraculous deliverance. This is not gonna be y'all being smart about your military tactics. This is gonna be about you, Gideon, and a few other guys rescuing people through, like I'm gonna do it through you. But he's standing on the mountain and he's calling in the Ephraimites. He's, he's got a head of God in that. And so, and so we have this, this guy who's struggling to walk with the Lord. He's, he starts out walking behind him. The Lord's standing over here saying, hey, come on, come on, I need you to take a step, I need you to take a step. And then as, as he gets into success, he's like, the Lord's over here and he's way out here in front of him. And, and we're all bent we get to see a snapshot from Gideon where he's, he's running both directions. We all start slow. And some of us, the people who are like, we're, we land more on the full of faith side, like things, get, things get started happening and all of a sudden we forget that the Lord's doing something through us. We start to think we're doing something and off we go and here we are ahead of the Lord. And, and so there's this, if, if we wanna finish well, full of faith, faithful, you gotta walk with him. We gotta walk with him. We're followers, the New Testament calls us followers of Jesus, which means like we're, we're right with him. And, and some of us are, like some of us are, we're always seem to be behind, some of us seem to be running ahead, but with him is an important spot. One of my friends, a guy named Mike Campen, he, he constantly prayed for our church when we were in Texas he, he would tell the Lord in prayer, he would say, Lord, we, we're gonna wait on you, but we don't want you waiting on us. But man, what a, like that is a gutsy prayer of we're gonna be patient and we are going to, Lord, we're gonna wait for you, but we don't want you to be waiting on us. We're gonna walk with you in this. And so that if we're gonna be full of faith and faithful, we have to develop this ability to walk with the Lord. We're not waiting He's not waiting on us, but we're not running ahead of him. So that's the first one is walk with the Lord. Second one is to, to receive and to extend grace. So I cringe when I read that part of Gideon's story where he's asking for bread from his fellow countrymen and they are like, hey, um, <laughs> you haven't won this thing yet, man. If we help you, we're in trouble. 
And his, like, his response is, I'm gonna pay you back. Like, I'm coming back for you. Because I think about Gideon, when, when the Lord came to him and said, greetings, mighty warrior, his, pardon me, Lord, but you got the wrong guy. Hey, I want you to, uh, are, you, are you sure? Will you wait right here? Can you keep, can you, could you wait and then give me a sign? And the Lord gave him that sign, and then could you, Lord, if this is really something you've got in front of me, the fleece thing. Could I wake up tomorrow and the fleece be wet and the ground be dry and then the net? Could we do this again, only opposite? Could I wake up tomorrow and the, the fleece is? And the Lord just was gracious to him and met him in that hesitancy and in his fear and in his uncertainty. The Lord was, the Lord was gracious to him. He had received grace. And when he encountered people who were in need of grace, he's in such a hurry, he's got it figured out, he knows now, and, and instead of extending grace and having, like pausing for a moment and just letting the Lord do what the Lord needed to do in their hearts and convince them, I'm like, he just, I see him, he's just running up to him. Hey, listen, we're starving to death, we've got these guys, feed us. No, well then, this is what's gonna happen to you. And I'm going to beat you with thorns and briars and I'm gonna, and then he did it. He, he didn't calm down in that, he didn't cool off in that moment, he, he came back and, and made good on his threat and I just, I, I watched that and it's like, man, if you've received grace from the Lord, you, we all need grace, right? Man, we need grace from the Lord and we need grace from other people. And, and people who are full of faith can get lost in this extending grace to other people. Because you know, you're saying some yeses and things are moving and all of a sudden, and then a person gets in your way. Because that's the way it goes. People, they're just not at the speed or the pace that you're at or they're not as convinced as you are and people need grace. All of us, we need grace from each other. I mean, God has extended grace to us and what we sang about today, that he would extend grace to us in Jesus. We've all offended him, we've sinned against him, we've, we've violated who he is and we've insisted on our own way and he extends grace to us and he lets Jesus cover that and we've received grace and and people who have received grace, then it's necessary to extend grace. Now, for people who are prone to faithful, it's sometimes we forget that, we've, that we're in need of grace. Because if you're, if you're steady and you're consistent and you know, your life looks like somebody, some, you, somebody like a Christian person's life should look and you're, you're plodding along in that. Sometimes we forget that we, we are in need of grace. Maybe you're, maybe you're good at extending grace to other people because you just you've developed some patience over the years, but, but you've forgotten that you, that you need grace. We all need grace. Each one of us needs to receive it. Each one of us is in constant need 
of God's grace for our lives. And, and people who receive grace should be people who extend grace to others. And so full of faith, faithful, we're gonna walk that out. We have, to, we have to be receivers of and extenders of God's grace. That's the second thing. And here's the third thing. We make sure the Lord gets the credit. You know, we make sure the Lord gets the credit. This is, this is also, this is a head scratcher for me reading Gideon's life, but again, it's humanity, and so we see it. It's, we see it. So there's, there's something we didn't talk about last week, but it, it's curious to me. So when, when Gideon and his 300 guys have that army sort of surrounded, and they break the pitchers, and they shake the lights, and they yell, so they're, yell, they're yelling, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. Why did they have to add that last little part in there? I don't understand that. Why, why, does, why is Gideon's name shouted to? And then the, the argument that this whole thing started out with, chapter eight starts out with, between the Ephraimites and Gideon over who's gonna get the credit here. And then, and then when Gideon wins, and the people look at him and say, we want you, and we want your son and your grandson to rule over us. And he makes this pious, no, 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 the Lord's gonna rule over you. He, he makes that pious statement of, I'm not gonna be your king, the Lord is king, of, the Lord's king over us, but then you know what he does? Okay, so I'll take a share of your plunder, which is what kings do, and then he took many wives, which is what kings do, and he had 70 sons, which is what kings keep count of that kind of stuff, and then he had a concubine, lived in another town who had a son, named Abimelech, and Abimelech, that name basically means my dad is king. And, and so, and then he makes this ephod, this golden, like he's, he's a priest too. And, and so he's in this, nah, the Lord, the Lord rules over us, but I'm taking the credit for this deal. And I don't know, just kind of, I don't, it just, I don't understand and it kind of grieves me. Why didn't anybody ever say, you know, the Lord deserves, like the Lord did this? Because that's where it all started. The Lord looked at Gideon and says, I'm going to rescue you, right? It, we're, gonna, we're gonna cut this army down to 300 people because if you guys think you did it, then you're, you're gonna be back in the same boat. But if, when you recognize that I did it, I'm gonna draw you into relationship with me and you're gonna experience the kind of freedom that you've never known before. And, and nobody, nobody ever stopped to think 300 guys routed an army that we know from other places that I didn't read in this chapter. It was an army of 135,000. 300 guys routed an army of 135,000 because the Lord did something and turned them on each other. 300 guys were chasing an army and nobody stopped to say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. this couldn't be us. This, this had to be the Lord. And Gideon certainly never stopped and said, hey, wait a minute, I was in a wine press threshing grain and the Lord said he was gonna do this through me. And people who, people who are gonna finish well, particularly, 
people are going to finish well and are going to keep moving forward, spiritually speaking, have to make sure that the Lord gets the credit. Because it's grace. It's grace. He, mo- he moves towards us. He's not looking for people to do stuff. He's looking for people to do stuff through. And, and he gives us grace and he lets us participate in the things that he's doing. And he lets us experience and enjoy victory. And we have these moments where it's just like, it's the ride of our life. And, and we're just on it. We didn't create it, we didn't start it, we, we're not doing it, we're just, we're on this, and it's grace, and we're, we're receiving and we're extending grace and living in this, just this stream of God's blessing, and it's really easy to believe that, look what I've done. You know, look at this life I've created for myself, look what, and, and it's really easy to forget who deserves the credit in our lives. And so people who are gonna be full of faith and faithful, are aware of what God is doing and that he's the one doing it. And they're really intentional about legitimately giving him the credit. And so, wrap all this up. We, we find ourselves, if you're like me, I know you are, we're all people. You bend one way or the other. Give me, give me something big, give me the assignment, let me go. Hey, don't give me something big, don't give me that assignment. Let me just kind of plod my way forward here. But it's both. I mean, living, living a, a God-honoring Christian life is, is being a person who is stringing together those yeses to Jesus, and some of them are really big and they're life-altering in ways that everybody notices, and some of them aren't as big. They're just routine, they're habit, they're forming. They're going forward, but there's, there's those yeses to Jesus. And as you string those yeses to Jesus together, some really cool things start to happen because he always blesses obedience. And so those really cool things start to happen and you can get off course thinking, man, look what we've done. Look what we've done. This not only happens to people, it happens to churches. Churches, something will happen exciting in a church. God lights a little flame, blows some you know, wind on that and some, some cool things start to happen in a church and, and people get, they get caught up in it and it's, it's fun and exciting and God's at work and we see that and then all of a sudden what a cool church we are, you know? And, and they get off track. And instead of, instead of being a person, so Gideon's just, he's, he's full of faith and we have to honor that. He's mentioned in the scriptures in a couple different places for, for that short season of his life where through faith, Weak became strong and were, were victorious in battle. He was mentioned there. But there's, there's no, and by being faithful, he finished well and he, you know, he kept the faith. And so if, if we wanna be individual people and for sure, if we, we wanna be a church that doesn't just have you know, a little flare up in our best spiritual days behind us, if we wanna be walking in the stream that God blesses, we, we're gonna be, we're gonna be people who recognize that he gets the credit. You know, that's, that's, probably, that's probably the top billing of that whole deal is we're gonna be people that recognize he gets the credit. We're gonna be people who, who are receiving grace. And we, what we receive, we extend back to others. And, and we get to live in the flow and the stream of God's blessing. And so I want that for me. I want that for you. And really, we want that collectively as a church to, to get to experience God at work in our midst and 
to string together those yeses and some of them are really big and some of them are gonna have these really cool waves of stuff happening but never forgetting like we're gonna be, we're gonna walk forward in faith, faithfully together. And I'd like to pray that for us. So would you guys please bow your head and close your eyes with me. So Father, thank you for the reality and the transparency of these scriptures. I'm so glad that you show us strengths and weaknesses of other people, of people who've gone before us. Pray that we would, um, we would learn from, from their successes and their failures, for the things you say yes to and the things that, that not so much. And I pray for myself, I pray for my friends, I pray that, that we would be full of faith. You've, you have given us faith, I pray that we would exercise it and that we would we'd just be a quick yes to you and that we would live faithful lives. If we don't want our best spiritual days to be behind us, we wanna be in front of us. So, so we're saying yes to you in this moment, Lord Jesus. Thanks for always calling us up. Thanks for always calling us forward. Thank you that you don't leave us. You don't leave us in fear. You don't leave us in hiding. You're continually calling us into the more that you have for us. We wanna walk in that. And so Jesus, we're really grateful that you would sacrifice yourself, that you'd extend grace to us. We say yes to that grace. We wanna extend it to the people around us. So we pray these things in your name, amen. Thank you guys for being here today. It's really good to be with you. I appreciate the time that we always have together in worship. This is a sweet church family. And those of you who don't know Christ Community yet, this is a great place to be. And I hope you let us get you connected. I don't know what you guys are headed to this week. I don't know what's out in front of you this week. But can I just tell you, like you're gonna go from here, you're gonna go from your living room. The Lord goes with you into that. So like, walk into it with courage, with confidence, with faith, knowing that he's with you. God bless you guys. Have a great weekend. I love you. I'll see you next week.